Hi, welcome to Pod Rocket. Um, with me this morning is Jessica Chan from Coder Coder. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Welcome back. Does it feel like six months? It doesn't feel like six months to me. Oh, it's just been a whirlwind. I'm yeah. sure everyone can say the same thing, but yeah, the last year's just been like a strange fever dream. Yeah, I agree. So there's lots to talk about today. I guess the big news, right, is that Coder Coder, you're doing this full time now. Like this is your job. There's no other. There's no other safety nets. This is you. I don't want to put it in. Make you nervous. <laughs> well, it's my main focus. To be completely transparent, I am still contracting for my previous employer. Mm-hmm. So they're still my my previous employer is still my somewhat current employer, but I'm only working for them part time. So just trying to ease in a little bit into the full time content creator thing. I mean, that's great. I mean, I, I looked this morning, I looked and I saw that you were up to uh, almost 200,000 subscribers. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been great. That's incredible, really. I mean, I, I don't know how you're supposed to respond to that, but for I was just like, well, that's crazy. So my my first question and the one kind of the thing when I watched um, kind of the announcement video that you have up there, um, like, listen, I'm doing this kind of, this is my main focus. I wanted to know more about how you made the decision. Like, when was the moment where you were like, okay. Um, I'm a quit mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, this is what I'm going to do. Like, what are the things that you considered? What was that? How long did it take? Did you talk to anybody about it? Like help me understand it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, when I started Coder Coder way back at the beginning, my ultimate goal was to do it full time. So I, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to eventually quit my job, but obviously I'm not going to quit until I'm I'm not going to quit unless I feel like I have, you know, a financial future with whatever I'm doing. So I, you know, kind of done it on the side while working full time and it was fine. I think the turning point for me was earlier this year in January, my YouTube channel just started growing a lot. Um, what happened was, so as I've mentioned many times, I've, I'm working on making a course, um, like how to build a website. And so to promote the course, I had done some, just like some silly time lapses of me building the actual website that we would learn how to build in the course. And for some reason, this like 90 second video with like 8-bit music on it just kind of went viral, which sort of made my husband, I think, slightly happy, but also slightly sad because he's also my video editor and animator and spends like hours and hours and hours on some of these videos. Um, But for some reason, that video, and then I made... Um, another video about the course, as well as a video telling my story about how I got into web development. And that one was a very high intensity um, animated video. They all kind of released around the same time in January, I think. And they all just did really well. So, you know, I'm not going to bank my financial future on like one hit wonders, but I felt like at that point, it felt like my channel was starting to hit a bit more of like a faster pace of growth. And so I felt like, okay, I'm not making, I'm not replacing my full-time income right now from YouTube, but I feel like I could do it within this year. And so, you know, we have some savings and I'm still sort of contracting. So I felt like it was the right time to make a calculated risk and make that jump at that point. Um, Just because, you know, I love my job, but, you know, I felt like I would like to spend more time dedicated to the coder coder stuff versus, you know, working the day job. So that's what kind of led to that decision. Yeah. 
I mean, I, there's so I, there are a million other probably better resources for you know figuring out the YouTube algorithm and like, hey, can you make it as a content creator? You, if you're listening, you shouldn't listen to me, but maybe people could listen to you. And kind of that's why I'm asking is what your <laughs> what your thought process was. And I wonder like mm-hmm. how many how many web dev what do you prefer? Do you prefer YouTubers, content creators? Do you want to make something up now on the spot? I never know what to call people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amorphous. Let's go with content creators, right? That sounds great. Is there? I feel like there should be kind of like a like a Discord chant, like some where, you, where all of you can get together. Like, listen, this is what we're doing. Or this, you know, <laughs> like, does that exist? Is there is there a community I, for that? I, I actually am in a YouTuber nice. Discord channel. Do you have to get invited? You do have to get invited. Oh, there's rules. So, <laughs> sorry, on, sorry, there are there are some rules in place. Not many, but some. But yeah, I'm in a Discord YouTuber channel, and that's been incredibly helpful for me personally. Just seeing there's because there's some big channels in there who are already full time. They've been doing full time for years, and just seeing what their business model is and how, and that definitely gave me the confidence um, to feel like I could make that jump now because. I feel like I have a path forward that will hopefully lead to also being, you know, able to support myself with YouTube and other content creation. So that's been really great. How much time do does that community or channel or whatever is the right word, do all of you spend kind of thinking or talking about the YouTube algorithm itself and like what happens <laughs> if you get demonetized, like a video gets demonetized? Like that would be my biggest fear if I were doing it, not to like bring up some kind of stoke some fears, but that's what I would think about. It's like, oh man, that's so variable and I have no control over it. Is, am I right? Is that- yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of talk about, you know, why is this video doing not good or why, what happened to this video? And like um, people share thumbnails to get feedback on it. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of discussion around how we can hopefully maximize our YouTube. I don't know, please the YouTube algorithm gods. Cause it's, it's just a black box. Right. So, and it's hard to even like AB test. Like there's some tools like TubeBuddy or vidIQ that they can AB test titles and the thumbnail images. I think, um, I personally don't use them just because I feel kind of weird giving a third party, like YouTube, my YouTube account access. Um, but some other people do use that and they really like it. But I think a lot of it is just talking about how to, how to make a video successful in terms of, yeah, good thumbnail and title. That's probably 90% of getting views. And then, you know, people will share videos and ask for feedback and stuff like that. So it's just overall a really helpful community. So, okay. So I guess the, the next natural question is how do things change? At least for like, for you, how does the content change now that you've got more time? You've got more time allotted. Yes, I do have more time allotted. I will say that even though I've been doing YouTube on the side for, I guess, a few years now, when I, after I made the decision and was like, okay, now I'm a full-time YouTuber, I just had this weird, like, I felt like I had too much freedom or time. It was like almost overwhelming that I didn't have to, you know, be on Slack for my job all day long. And I just felt like very, like, I don't know, unfettered, but not necessarily in a good way. So it took maybe a few weeks of like, feeling like, oh, I, I don't know what to do now with all this like free time that I have. Um, but I feel like I'm getting more into the rhythm of, okay, 
we have like a calendar for the different videos we want to create, you know, in the future planning. I'm sure you're very familiar with this kind of thing with the log rocket stuff, but yeah, just trying to have a better structure um, for content planning. And I'm not great at that. My husband actually is a much more organized person than I am. So I was like, oh, I'll just uh, work on this thing and then work on this other thing next. And he was like, maybe we should have like a schedule with like a calendar of like release dates we'd like to hit. And that's been very helpful as well. So it's it's definitely different. I I will say my happiness level has actually increased a lot, even though I'm still contracting. I think just the feeling of being having complete autonomy over my day and not having to be on Slack all the time and having that freedom to, you know, my boss at my job was like, you know, if I send you a message on Slack, don't feel like you have to respond until like the next day. And so that was like, awesome. So now I can like, I can take a walk outside or I can, you know, go run some errands and not feel like I have to run back to my desk because that's kind of how I had been feeling, even though I had been working remote for years and, you know, you always have your phone and you can answer messages and stuff. So overall it's been, yeah, definitely felt much happier and learning how to manage my time, I should say. I think feeling happier is is generally considered a good thing. So that's cause for celebration. I remember, you know, like when I first, like 10 years ago, I was freelancing and I remember having the same feeling. Like when I made the switch um, from one career to another and I had all this so-called free, t- unstructured time, you know, where I was like, okay, well. So, and yeah, I think in the beginning, I remember like, th- I remember thinking, what am I, I'll just kind of wing it, you know? And then eventually I thought, well, I actually did some, I remember reading up a lot on how, how people write long form things like books. And I like that I describe books as long form things <laughs> for clearly, clearly firing on all cylinders this morning. Um, but like, you know, we're kind of the set kind of professional schedule where like you get up in the morning and you have, this is your, this is what you hope to accomplish by then. And then you have lunch. Do you want to do this by lunch? And you take a break and all that stuff. And it's weird, but that actually go figure. And actually produces great results. You're giving me a look like it might not great produce great results. Oh no, I I, I agree. It's I'm just thinking back to hmm. when I used to work in a building, you know, back in the day in a physical office. Um, and I will say that it was easier to focus then as opposed to working from home, working remotely. Uh, but yeah, it's just a constant struggle for me to come up with the good structure and keeping discipline to you know, I don't know, exercise and like wake up before a certain time and not go to bed at like 2 a.m. every night. So, you know, with time, I suppose. I mean, I think that, I mean, I'm doing this, uh, this episode and my couch is right over there. So it is, you can see my couch in the video. So it's, it's, you know, you really have to be, don't sit on the couch if you can help it. That's my one big advice, big piece of advice. So what about the content itself? Does it, does it change or, um, does it, you, Are you just going to do more? Does it actually? Yeah, definitely trying to do more. Um, It's still a bit of a balancing act trying to work on my course. Um, I just sort of constantly feel guilty for not having it done already because I'll get comments. I was just going to ask you that. I'm I'm so sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say that because you look like you feel guilty when I'm asking the question. Sorry, I'll (laughs) shut up. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. You should should ask um, because I've been been making a course for like the past two years. Um, but yeah, so I, I do kind of feel guilty about that, but I think, and then also trying to make regular YouTube content and I am trying to go back a little bit to Instagram these days. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, trying to sort of move multiple 
I don't know, ships forward at the same time. Um, so, you know, I can, you can obviously only work on one thing in at any given moment. So just trying to divide that out over the, the weeks or the days. No, I mean, it's, it's exciting, but there's that kind of fear that comes with, which I'm again, exacerbating, <laughs> which good job, Brian. Um, <laughs> I have a question. How much do you spend, how much time do you spend on titles? If that's like 90% of why people, why stuff goes viral? Like how much time do you spend thinking about that? Yeah. Um, I would say a fair bit of time, not as much time as I spend actually recording the video. Cause sometimes that could be a couple hours, but less time than we spend trying to workshop the thumbnail. Um, the thumbnail is by far the most time consuming aspect of it. I feel like I have a decent handle on like titling videos at this point, but the thumbnail is always, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's more complex, right. Than coming up with a title. Maybe. Like, so, like the actual image. Yeah. The actual image, like designing it being like, well, cause we like in a past video, I think the original thumbnail, when we uploaded it, this is for how to make a VS code theme. Um, we didn't put my face in the thumbnail. Cause I was like, people are probably tired of staring at that. But then it did terribly, so we had to change it back and stick my freaking face on the image um, because people just wouldn't click through. Because, you know, people aren't going to your channel page and clicking on videos. They're usually going to see your video, like, in the sidebar or, like, on their homepage. So, like, as dumb as it sounds, like, if my face is there, it's like, oh, this is a Coder Coder video. But if, if my face is not there, because most of my thumbnails do have I'm in them, it's hard to sort of maybe have that channel recognition or... And, and this is where it's like, well, was it the thumbnail or was it just like the topic of the video? Like maybe VS Code themes are a little bit more niche than some other topics. So it's, yeah, it's just this whole like you're trying to, you want to test, but you don't have the data from YouTube to actually do like good testing. So you, you're just making a lot of educated guesses. Um, but yeah, lots of time spent on the title and thumbnail for sure. That's so funny. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of faces on YouTube. That's definitely, mm -hmm. you see a lot of YouTube uh, face faces and expressions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like surprise face or like sad face or angry face. It's yeah. It's, you're really trying to appeal to like the base or like lizard brain of people. This is what I've realized. Yeah. I'm so glad that, yes, that you said that because <laughs> I, because I'm, I'm like, it's so like the, I don't want to say annoying because it's not annoying. It's just kind of, it's, to me, it's funny, like where you're watching a video and then you can, then the the creators stops and is like, okay, I have to like get a thumbnail now. So it's like the 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 video you're making, you're breaking the fourth wall and you're saying, okay, can you be a fourth wall if you're already talking to people directly? Is that a thing? <laughs> if you studied film, you can tweet me later and be like, no, this is how it works. Read a book. Um, but yeah, it just seems like it stops the video, like it stops the flow. And then you got to watch somebody make silly faces, like several different silly faces. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that? Am I the only one who's seen this before? In, in videos, people are doing this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily, um, <laughs> you know, like developer videos, thankfully, mm -hmm. but like other stuff. Like I, I just, um, I can't believe, how, and I can't believe how much it's so important. And they're all kind of the same. Like, as you said, like the lizard brain part, like how is it? It feels transparent, but I think that's the the core of advertising, honestly. Whether content creation or selling cars or other product, it's like appealing to the lizard brain because that's how we all operate, and that's what makes us decide to buy something. I guess. 
or click or click. I actually really like when people opt out of the, the face making kind of genre and instead just stare blankly at the camera that <laughs> to me, that's the funniest one, but maybe that just means I'm weird. Yeah. We, we might be watching different YouTube channels. I actually don't watch a lot of YouTube videos myself, which is a terrible thing to say, but I, I mainly use YouTube to play background music when I'm like doing stuff. I don't, I don't watch a ton. Well, clearly, I mean, I've, listen, as you said, the last like year and a half, there's been a lot of free time to be like, <laughs> well, who's going camping in Alberta, Canada. Let's give that a spin. And then that's it. I've, I've learned a lot about Alberta. <laughs> if you're listening from Alberta, I know a lot about your province now. I'm curious if you're not already, you know, looking into like TikTok fleets, even though I know they're now not going to be a thing. Um, Clubhouse, even though, again, I don't know that much about it. Um, but I guess kind of what other platforms are you are you looking into, if any? Um, yeah, TikTok. I sort of made the decision not to get TikTok just for various reasons. Um, but I mean, Instagram right now is like really pushing reels, which is their TikTok clone. Um, so I'm trying to do more content on Instagram, um, and reels. And the plan is later on, like maybe after I finish this mythical course that I'm working on is to try to get more into that short form video content. So it's like YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, posting some content on Twitter. Um, I don't have an iPhone, so I can't use clubhouse. But I don't know if I would be interested in it anyway, because I think just the whole like live audio thing where it's like, this is a timed event, basically. Um, I think that's just not, the very nature of that is not appealing to me at all in terms of time efficiency, I guess. So yeah, I'm not, I mean, a lot of people are really into it and I think it's great. There, There's a lot of events that I've seen on Twitter go on. They seem like super helpful to people, but I think it's not something that I'm going to sort of invest my time into. Yeah, no, totally. With Clubhouse, I, I I always see talks I want to listen to and then I go to them and then they're over by the time I get there. So that hasn't, haven't done it uh, successfully. Um, um, yeah, so uh, Jessica, on your YouTube channel, um, there was a comment and I'll, I'll read it for everyone. Um, it says, I must say the number of dev turning content creators is sort of alarming. Many who don't do it are sort of on the fence about it too. As aspired software engineer, I am worried. Is this a sign? With that said, I wish you the very best. As one of your subscribers, if you do well, to some extent, I do well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, yeah. kind of. What are your thoughts around that? This question comes up a lot, especially because, you know, quitting videos are very popular. Um, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, you're just quitting like all the developers that I know are quitting like is this even like a viable job industry but like that's the result of like I don't know if the right term for this is like survivorship bias but it's like yes you will see a lot of content creators go full-time on YouTube because a lot of content creators become content creators because they want to go full-time on YouTube what you don't see are the like millions of engineers and programmers that like are not on YouTube because they've no interest at all in becoming content creators. Like my previous company, like I'm pretty sure I'm the only like YouTuber at the entire company and it's like thousands of people. So hundreds of engineers and programmers. Um, so I think it's just an unfortunate 
it seems like there's so many YouTube videos about quitting your job. So it makes people think that, oh, is this not like a good field? Like, or did you get fired or laid off or burned out or whatever? Um, but it's just like, yeah, you need to keep in, they, they need to keep in mind that it's like the number of programmers on YouTube on YouTube are much less than the total number of programmers, like in the entire world. Yeah. Um, and that, that commenter said, you know, as an aspiring software engineer, so like the only software engineers or, or, you know, that they're coming into contact with are on YouTube. Yeah. So like if you, if you were, when you get a job and work with other software, like we have engineers at BlogRocket and I can't think of anything they'd rather do less than, than be a YouTuber. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe a few of them might consider it, but it definitely wouldn't be about programming. It would be about like, you know, start like a history podcast, you know, or a, a history based channel. Like it's just, it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but <laughs> I understand the impulse. If you're trying to get into the, into the career and you're like, Oh my God, what do I do? Is this a thing? I'm troubled. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you said, like if you don't have, you know, if you're not working, you're just learning by yourself at home, then you just don't have a picture of what, you know, the, the industry looks like. So it's sort of understandable, but yeah, I think maybe if I had to redo my, my quitting video, I would probably have a little disclaimer of like, just keep in mind, vast majority of programmers never do YouTube. So it is still a good industry. <laughs> don't be afraid. Everything is fine. <laughs> Are there, um, so, you know, we say content creators and, and think of them, think of them as individuals, which of course they are. Um, but I remember years back when there were like, there were lots and lots of gaming YouTube YouTubers, not like, and there still are. Um, but it was much more common for them to like form. I don't really know what you would call it. YouTube syndicates, like they'd be loosely organized groups of people who are kind of like, we're, we're this, we're this group of people or whatever. And that was their brand. Um, and I've always wondered, is there, or do you think that there's some reality in the future where it becomes literally more corporate on YouTube for, for web dev videos, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I actually think that's sort of already happening um, with the whole developer advocate, developer relations field. It seems to be booming now. I mean, I don't have any actual numbers, but I've gotten so many like emails and messages and DMs from companies, tech companies asking if I would consider like joining their company as like a developer advocate. And um, the, the YouTuber Discord that I mentioned earlier, I think like half like it seems like half of the active members are now developer advocates at companies like big companies. Um, and so I think that's awesome one for, you know, content creators, cause that's another career option for you. If you know, you're sort of doing both things. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting because it's like, I think the companies are realizing that if you want people to use your tech product or whatever it is, traditional channels of marketing, maybe, won't do the job. Plus you have the whole like education angle where if you have a developer advocate, they can do trainings and workshops and speak at conferences and, you know, reach out to individual developers for creating content. Um, so I think a lot of companies are realizing that content creation is a great form of marketing. Um, and so I think that 
that's only going to grow from here. So in that sense, I know this isn't exactly what you were sort of talking about with the loose syndication thing, but it, it seems like there's definitely more of a corporate influx into content creation. It's exciting. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, we had um, Kim Maida on or how long ago? Uh, a couple of weeks. And I was saying to her that it seems like, or at least I always thought that people would be more interested in following kind of other people um, rather than brands. And I mean, you're just saying for the thumbnails, like your face on a video is that's the brand. Um, and so like, if you, it gives you a lot of flexibility when switching jobs, like if you are established as a content creator and you uh, are a dev advocate for company A, and then like a couple of years later, company B, like people will follow you. And Kim was like, yes. And also not really because maybe company B does something vastly different than company A. And these are completely different audiences, which um, made a lot of sense to me. But I think like, yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know if there are, cause I wonder that about log rocket and, or just like written content, you know, you, I'm seeing more and more content agencies pop up. I don't know how successful they are. I know that I've seen them exist. And so I kind of wonder like, is there a world where there's YouTuber type agencies where it's, you know, like, let's say that everyone in that YouTuber Slack channel decided to form a guild <laughs> and then like go on, you know what I mean? Like that, that's a, that's a world that could exist. And sure. you know, you could, that seems weird now. Well, not weird. It seems kind of more elaborate and maybe not a fully fleshed out business model. I could, I could see that happening in the future. Um, I mean, there are like influencer agencies that cover, I'm sure some of them specialize in YouTube. Um, but yeah, I could, I could see that happening. I think, one of the hardest, one of the most maybe time-consuming parts of making YouTube content, aside from the thumbnail art, of course, is trying to handle sponsorship sponsorship deals uh, because it's a lot of emailing, and you know, not everyone likes that aspect of content creation. There's just like so many hats you have to wear, right? And so, like trying to negotiate deals with brands is definitely time-consuming, and it can be kind of taxing sometimes. So I think having the idea of having an agency or someone to sort of find these deals, negotiate on your behalf with a small commission or whatever, I think is definitely appealing to a lot of, a lot of people. Maybe there'll be an agency that makes YouTube thumbnails exclusively. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a good, I would love to do that. I can't promise that it would work, but I would love to do it. I would, I don't promise results, but I promise interesting thumbnails. Is that a, how's that for a value prop? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, what I'm thinking about is the, is really like the future of YouTube, like how, how much, like, is it, is it sustainable in 10 years, which is a, something that I picked up from Sean Wang or Swix, like. On his first episode, I asked him, like, what do you think is going to happen this year? And he's like, I don't answer questions about just this year. I only think in 10 years. And I know he's listening. And <laughs> it's fine. Let me... <laughs> Hi, Sean. 10 years. So, but I mean, cool. I think, mm-hmm. and this is, there's no right answer, obviously, because I don't know. But I am curious, like, how how do these videos change? You know, like, what are it, or don't, or do they never change? Is it just kind of, these are the, there? it's educational content and we are showing people how to, how to do X, how to do this thing that, you know, um, 
I always think yeah. of like other formats, you know, other hmm. and and not other formats on another platform, but just kind of like other other ways to present the video. Are there uh, like v- VR VR coding videos? I would I would enjoy that a lot. Actually, <laughs> that would be I could do that in addition to like questionable thumbnails that are like, like yeah. loosely related to the topic. Yeah, I mean, I think that ten years. Well, I, I think that people are always going to need to be educated, right? There's always going to be a need for that, um, whatever form that may take, whether it's VR videos or some other form of like, I don't know, holograms. Is that possible in 10 years? Maybe, maybe, maybe a few more decades after that. But yeah, I, I would predict, if anything, this is my optimistic prediction that, um, or pessimistic, depending on what side of this you are, but like the higher education system, I think will eventually in large part get replaced by YouTube and other forms of online education. Um, yeah. Interesting. That's, that's my prediction. Because this is just me name dropping guests that I've had <laughs> on other episodes, but I do remember, yeah. I do remember what I talk about with other people, which is what an amazing skill. Um, <laughs> we had Monarch uh, Wadia on uh, again, maybe a week or two ago, and um, he's all about boot camps and he's a big, mm-hmm. a big champion um, and kind of comparing, um, you know, boot camps versus traditional education. Um, and obviously he's not, a, well, I don't want to mischaracterize what he said, but uh, generally speaking, he's saying there's a place for boot camps and, you know, there's a place for higher ed, but boot camps offer you distinct advantages. And you're saying that maybe, maybe they don't, right? Did I hear that? Am I understanding correctly? I guess um, maybe they don't. They being the higher ed, like this, the formal CS yeah. degree. Well, okay. Maybe I should. Uh, yeah, that is what I was saying. But maybe I should avoid getting flamed by offering some I'll do it, it like disclaimers to that <laughs> put it on okay yeah <laughs> I mean I think Harvard like the Harvards and MITs and Berkeley's they're probably always going to exist but I think a lot of these like smaller private universities unfortunately they some of them are already like fading away um and so I think for certain fields where you really do need that higher higher degree like I don't know like quantum programming and, you know, physics and like things like that. I think those you will still need the higher education experience, but I think for web development and maybe other fields, I could really see that being replaced by the online education angle with coding boot camps and whatever. Um, just because depending on the company, of course, you don't necessarily need a CS degree to get a job there. So I think they'll, they'll both coexist. Right. But I think maybe, there's going to be more of a emphasis on the sort of lower cost online education model. Mm. Yeah, totally. We also talked to, uh, again, name dropping Eve Porcello, who is co-founder of um, Moon Highway, which is a um, course. And her job originally uh, started as teaching current uh, web developers, like coming from like the back end, like, she would teach them front end code. So even if you do have a CS degree, like there's still that continuing education piece. 
Um, so it seems like it's definitely, there's like something missing, but it's, it's interesting to see whether it's YouTube or, you know, like constant courses or, um, you know, boot camps. It's, it's all these things are filling this space that yeah. is empty. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. To, to think about YouTube as a resource there as well. For sure. Yeah. I think things are just getting more decentralized just in general, in terms of knowledge, not always in a good way, but yeah. Yeah. That's the part that. Um, I worry about a little bit like, so YouTube is free, um, for the user, uh, which is great. Um, boot camps are not free, but they're not nearly as not free as university. Right. And neither really necessarily guarantee successful results. Um, and I think that it like, and this is what I said to Monarch, right. Is that comparing boot camps to a university I understand the impulse because there are there's some competition there, but I I would prefer to evaluate them individually. You know, like almost, if that's possible, it might be naive to try to do it in a vacuum. But um, at least theoretically, at least with public universities in, in the U.S., there's there is some oversight. Like you're supposed to get something for there's a set of rules for the things that you get. That's what accreditation comes from. Um, and in boot camps, not so much. Um, and so, yeah, like it's, you have to do your own homework and then hope that, that wherever you go, um, it is, it's run in good faith, you know, like it's, um, and so for, for YouTube to hop in or you, YouTubers or content creators to hop in, it's kind of like, there's, you're not really asking much from the, from the audience, you know, other than time, which is precious. So maybe that is a lot. I don't know. Um, yeah. So Jessica, I'm curious, like the future of Coder Coder. <laughs> um, I guess like, is there a plan for bringing on more folks or, you know, I know you mentioned your course. Um, I guess kind of tell us like, yeah, roadmap, uh, plan for, plan for the future. Yeah. I think my plan is to keep it as small as possible for as long as possible. Um, I don't really plan on hiring anyone for, I don't know, like administrative stuff. Hopefully we'll see. Um, and I think that is one of the things I'm trying to be really mindful as I scale. Um, so I think the first hire I would probably do would be, I'm going to have a discord for my course and assuming things go well, more and more people will join it. So I, I would see myself hiring, maybe not full time, but paying someone to moderate that community, um, and maybe moderate. I don't know if I start doing more streams on YouTube, um, moderating the chats there and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, like I'm again, I say this all the time, but like, it's like, I'm very fortunate. Like my husband can do all the video and creative stuff. And then I sort of come up with the educational content aspect. So it's a lot of skills that other YouTubers would have to outsource somehow. And we fortunately have it in house. So I think we can go for a while without having to hire outside, you know, outside people. Yeah, that's, uh, that's super helpful. Having done YouTube before that is, that is huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Other than the hiring part, I think just the plan is to release a course, maybe do another course. I'm not planning on doing courses every year. I think I'd like to have maybe one or two flagship courses. And then just after that's out, do better do more frequent 
better content on YouTube. Um, just cause you know, the Trello board of ideas is just keeps growing all the time. And it's sometimes a little frustrating not being able to get to all of them. And then I have other ideas like who would like to do merch at some point as cliche as that sounds, because I think there's a severe lack of beautiful, artistic, well-designed shirts aimed at coders. And I, that's something I would probably hire out for. Um, I would hire like an artist to design really cool t-shirts that show coding in like a really awesome way that don't say I turned coffee into code, which is fine, but you see it everywhere. It's like, it's, it's been overdone. Yeah. <laughs> the sticker, um, they're mad to compete more with the sticker, uh, culture and, um, uh, web development, but uh, t-shirts haven't seen too many t-shirts. Yeah. I think that's so common with the, not, not the t-shirts, but the, the, the pressure to have to constantly put stuff out. I mean, obviously we can relate, um, on the blog, but I think it's a much different kind of animal when it's your face and you're the one that has to be the, the, the creative force. And I see it everywhere, you know, like the, all, a lot of the YouTubers that I, that I follow will, I think I've seen at least one video where they hop on, um, just to apologize for not creating enough content. And that's like, I don't know that anyone, I think maybe there's like, I think people are being hard on themselves. <laughs> like I, it's, it's really tough. Like it's, it, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I almost feel bad for them. You know, like where I wish that there was a way where that that was less true, that you could do something cool and creative and maybe not feel so bad if it takes a month or two months or, you know, like this constant need to produce stuff so that you can keep the the lights on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think the platforms also make you feel that pressure, especially like Instagram. It's like, oh, you're going to you're going to tank if you don't create content every two or three days. So it's, it's definitely a constant battle to fight against those pressures, whether you're feeling them from the platforms or from people commenting, being like, when's your next video coming out? Um, but I think people are always going to say that. And so I don't know if I've figured it out because I obviously feel very guilty about not <laughs> releasing my course yet, but I try to not force myself to stick to like a certain schedule if something comes up. So like, I would like to release a YouTube video every week, but I don't always. And I'm sort of okay with that part at least. Um, Cause I think the YouTube algorithm at least is a bit more forgiving than some of the social ones. So you could release a video and then not release one for like a month. And then if you release a new one, it'll, it'll come back. Um, so I think it's just like trying to keep things fun without grinding, grinding away you know, your motivation and the joy that you originally found in, in doing this content stuff. So it's a balance. Yeah. No, again, I'm, I'm so sure that there are, there must be mountains of, um, content, uh, about this thing, like from, uh, more, I'll just say more traditional artists or, or, you know, creatives where this kind of need to produce and, and, um, the business side of it kind of making you feel like, well, if I don't, if I don't keep this rolling, I'm going to be penalized. And now I feel bad because I'm disappointing. Not only the, the algorithm, which is weird, but like you're feeling like disappointing an algorithm, but also the audience, you know, people are like, when's it coming out? It's like, well, what's your next video coming out? 
YouTube commenter. You try it. It's hard. Which is probably not a great way to build up an audience, right? To see yell, yell at them <laughs> afterwards. But maybe that's why I'm not on YouTube. But I, uh, that could be I, your brand. Jerk. <laughs> yep, that, must, that, that must exist on, on YouTube already, right? That, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They definitely exist in the comment section. I don't know if you can build a whole a whole channel and reviewing. Com- Actually, maybe you could. Reviewing people's comments and mm-hmm. never mind. Now I'm, I'm definitely on another another tangent all together. We can just reply to all your comments on this uh, podcast, Jessica. We'll just go through every single. <laughs> oh, that's what you could hire. Hire me for that. Like I can be the, <laughs> I'll be your community manager and, and I will manage that community go. aggressively. <laughs> the algorithm likes engagement. I don't think, is it semantic? Yeah. Or are they actually reading it? It's probably more of a counting the number of comments that pop up. Yeah. Okay. So positive, negative, I guess it's all good. Um, I'm kind of interested in, I saw here and then in the notes of a kind of a, a list of, because last time we talked about how pop-ups were the worst. Do you want to do a list of, of things not to do that we see? Sure. Carousels. YouTube carousels. There's, or I, I guess in general website, it's like a marketing dark patterns. It's like carousels. There's a website, I think it's called like, should you use carousels.com or something like that? And it's just a carousel explaining why you should never use carousels. Or like if you use carousels, you can put the item, the piece of content that the higher up, you know, on the C-level wanted to add to the website because, you know, no one's ever going to see that. But then you can go back and tell them, hey, we added this thing to the carousel on the homepage. So, yeah, just in general, I think carousels are maybe not the best for users. I was pausing because I'm thinking, like, do they even have a, a place like an e-commerce? Like, if you're trying to buy shoes, maybe, maybe I would say that could work. Like, if you're just like, want to, eh. mm-hmm. I feel like people like scrolling better, especially on mobile. S- scrolling, scrolling infinitely is better than having to swipe. Try to swipe. Does that mean? Tinder is just a big carousel then, right? Is that, I haven't used it, but it's like, you're just swiping. So it's a giant carousel. People seem to like Tinder. Like the Instagram, uh, Instagram ads, like, you know. I'm not sure if this is the direction you wanted to take this thread of the conversation. Are, this has stopped being a podcast and more of us just hanging out <laughs> now. Like really, carousels are stupid. Audiences cranky. The commenters are Brian might be trash. a little bit. Right, the <laughs> Um, okay. So we probably should close on that. (laughs) What do you think, Kate? Um, is there anything, uh, you want to, uh, plug Jessica? Um, I guess just my YouTube channel, Coder Coder, my Instagram and Twitter. They're both the Coder Coder, the handle name. Um, and then my course that will someday come out. I'm hoping in the fall, but it's responsive design for beginners. You can check out the landing page that hopefully doesn't have any dark marketing patterns at coder-coder.com slash responsive. Yeah, we'll include all of those in the in the uh, show notes. Awesome. Also, also um, do you want to let people know who they should email to get an invite to that uh, <laughs> content creator? Because like I'd want to know and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe the, no, is it, is it private? It's super it's, private. And- it's a little, it's on the smaller side. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Okay, maybe maybe send an invite to me just so I can see what's in there. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything with it. 
<laughs> wink. Okay. Thanks so much, uh, Jessica. It was a pleasure. Come back anytime. Yeah. Thank you, Brian and Kate. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at Log Rocket. <laughs>